the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's TMC and a place to be. And I know a lot about places to be right here listening to the story behind the song. Welcome, listeners, to a very special bonus edition of the story behind the song. I'm your host, Peter Chotty of Deep Cuts Media. Run DMC transformed the music world and overall pop culture when they burst onto the scene from Queens, New York in the early 1980s. With their authentic street beats, stories, and fashion, the group captured the magic of the times and pioneered a new sound of hip-hop, making it their own and transforming it in the process. And now, as we celebrate hip-hop's 50th anniversary, there is no better way than to channel those times through their voices and stories and how their breakout raps and beats crossed our airwaves, crossed cultures, and fused different genres together to create something entirely unique, special, and lasting. Daryl McDaniels, the DMC in the group's name, was lead beat poet and MC, capturing hip-hop's new energy and spirit beautifully as he took center stage. McDaniels, together with his Run DMC mates, Joseph Run Simmons, and DJ Jason Jam Master Jay Mazel, took that strength to create great lasting tracks that inspired countless artists and still resonate today. The group also used their love of all music, rap, rock and roll, disco, soul, to fuse together an entirely new genre of rap rock that is best represented by their massive hit Walk This Way with Aerosmith. In this very candid special episode, I interviewed Daryl DMC McDaniels about his musical journey. We go deep into his story behind one of the group's greatest hit tracks, It's Tricky, but also into his own personal struggles with depression and addiction, how he overcame them, and how he now preaches the healing power of music to others to inspire them in their own battles. McDaniels will take those stories and motivate others at the upcoming Park City Song Summit that takes place in Park City, Utah on September 7, 8, and 9. There, he will be joined on center stage with the great Chuck D of Public Enemy to also discuss hip-hop's 50th anniversary and what it represents. If you'd like to learn more about that and attend that very special summit, you can learn more at consequence.net. So take a listen as we dive deep into the story behind Run DMC's iconic track, It's Tricky, with Daryl DMC McDaniels. So just really quickly, I want to go through just so many of the first that you've been involved in. The first hip-hop act to chart in the Billboard's Top 40. First hip-hop group to have their music videos featured on MTV. First to be co- featured on the cover of Rolling Stone. First to be nominated for a, to a Grammy Award. And also in 2016, you received a Lifetime Grammy Award, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's like on and on and on. So. Right. How do you, when, when you hear all these things, just how do you think about it and just your impact? How does that I make, don't how, think about it. It's so, I'm so excited about everybody else. Like I'm still that little kid. All of us are products of pop culture. So I sit here, I'm hip hop, before hip hop, there was 70s rock radio in New York City. Oh, there was a station here, 77 WABC. Harry Harrison, Dan Ingram. But what was beautiful about it then, they played Jackson 5, James Brown, Son of Family Stone. 
But they also played Jim Croce, Harry Chapin, Chip, Harry Chapin, Janet Shopman, Joni Mitchell, Led Zeppelin, Crosby Stills. So he was getting all of this John Denver, you know, Glenn Campbell. Like it was the music was so great in the 70s. But the thing about growing up in the 60s and 70s, as I sit here, I'm also the Brady Bunch, the Adams families, the Monsters, and the Flintstones. So all of the stuff that you just mentioned. It's inconceivable that I and my crew would be the ones to participate in and in, in receive those things. But I think what happened, it says, what you be old, you become. So I grew up a child of soul training American bandstand. Every Saturday, that's what you watch. You watch it, soul training American bandstand. And not being able to sing as well as Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson but hip-hop allowed us to utilize the music that was already a part of us to allow us to express ourselves in our unique ways. So I, I kind of think we learned from Bob Dylan. <laughs> we learned from Bob Dylan, James Brown, and the Jackson 5. So when it was time for us to do our musical presentation, it was already made up of the things that people in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame and the Grammys were doing. But it's inconceivable because we were spectators. Never known that we would be able to be participants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, what you were saying, just all these different elements, you know, mm -hmm. all these different elements from various places of pop culture. And that was my era, you know, that so I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. It was so, it was so, um, it was so captivating. Yeah. And even if, like, you know, even if you didn't pay attention to it, it was always there as a part of your life. So it had to, it had to express itself some way through you. It's almost like a, an alien invasion. And, you know, even, you know, I was a kid, I was in the comic books. I never wanted to be in show business at all. I'm the shy kid that I wanted to just read, collect and draw comic books. But by me always reading these comic books, when this thing called hip hop came over the bridge from the Bronx, I think it came to Queens around like 75. But I didn't start paying attention to it till 79. But by that time, I had been groomed and prepared from, you know, my favorite songs growing up was Bad, Bad, Leroy Brown, Baddest Man, and a whole damn vet, sure. you know, Strong and an Old Key and things like that. Um, the Beatles, you know, Let It Be. I always thought Mother, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So I always thought Mother Mary, I didn't know that was his mother's name. I thought Mother Mary, he was talking about the Virgin Mary. By the way, until you just said that, uh -huh. all this time, I thought he was talking about the Virgin Mary. Oh, see, I didn't, I, me too. I didn't know it was his mother, but that was because I went to Catholic school. Yeah. So it was all of these little elements and, and ingredients that was around our environment that kind of prepared Run DMC because we didn't come from the Bronx. The Bronx was the Bronx. It was burning. It was on fire. And even Harlem. Harlem's beautiful now. You go now, it's businesses. And, but back in the day, Harlem was Harlem. And he had all the black exploitation movies. So you knew Harlem was super flying shaft and all of that. You know what I'm saying? So for us, we had all of the elements, but we had the good and the bad. So the early rappers was rapping about, you know, it was the message, broken glass everywhere and kissing and this and that. For me coming from Queens, I'm a Catholic school kid. <laughs> I got both parents at home. You know what I'm saying? My father mows the lawn. I walked to school and stuff like that. So for me, hip-hop wasn't about show business or entertainment. It was about, oh, wow. You could tell stories about who you are over music, just like Bob Dylan and Curtis Mayfield do. But I'm not talking about what Bob talks about. I can't talk about what Curtis. So let me just talk about what Daryl talks about. Yeah. So I think when people saw Run DMC, I talked to them, I talked to some of kids a couple of days ago. Even though we were dynamic with the music and rhyming and Jay was DJing and Run's attitude, you know what I'm saying? I'm proclaiming I'm a king of rock. When people saw Run DMC and they experienced us, they saw how dynamic we were, but you didn't see celebrity. 
Yeah. Yo, yeah. that goddamn see with the glasses remind me of the guy I went to school with. Man, yeah. that guy run, he runs his mouth like my cousin that never <laughs> shuts up. Man, that yeah. guy Jay is cool like my uncle. So we had all of these, um, we had all of these characteristics that was kind of unique, but familiar to rock, rock, punk, black, white, Puerto Rico. You know what I'm saying? It's no, weird, that, you know? no, that, well, it's, again, I, I, just the way you described it, and I feel it too, mm-hmm. the stations that we listened to back in the day were eclectic. Yes. They did play different sounds yeah. and different styles and all of that. And yeah. so that's bound to influence you. And people are, you know, generally not, you know, I don't want to generalize too much, but more mm. narrowly focused in yep. terms of yeah, sound. Right. Like one of my favorite records was the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Old Black Water. Oh, yeah. Rolling. When I was a kid, I was like, this, I, don't, I, I didn't like the Jackson 5. Yeah. <laughs> like the Doobie <laughs> Brothers. Because of what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Daryl, do you remember, you were talking about, okay, you know, you grew up, you weren't in the Bronx. You grew up, and in the late 70s, that's when you started getting influenced by some of the new sounds you heard. Do you remember, like, the first event or experience that you were part of or witnessed or, you know, that kind of said, man, like, I want to be doing this kind of thing? Yeah, it was in seventh grade at St. Pascal Baylon Elementary School. I was in the seventh, seventh grade. The eighth grader, Billy Morris, came into the schoolyard. There was no boomboxes. was no, you know, hip-hop is funny. It starts with little things. You know, it starts yeah. with a little earring, and now you got the big, giant earrings. <laughs> it starts with one little gold chain that your uncle had, and now we got big, he wrote. But back then, he had a flat, and a sonic tape recorder from the 70s that you used to get um, in the learning center at school. Oh, I remember. Every high with the plastic headphones. Oh, yeah, I remember. remember. Oh, yeah. So we had one of those, and he said, come here. And we came over to him, and he pushed the button, and the beat came on. It was just, do, dead, do, 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 dead. It was just a drum beat. And a voice said, now, what was crazy about the voice was it sounded powerful like God but it was very inspirational and motivational, especially for, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. There was political, social, and racial unrest everywhere. But this boy said this, over this cool beat, that when you mess around in New York town, you go down with the disco, because hip-hop came from disco. The disco, Studio 54, the DJ plays the music, and all the people get together and party like the world is heaven. We took that idea put to the streets of New York. So this boy said, when you mess around in New York town, you go down with the disco cheap or clown. You go down, go down, go down. And then he said, keep the pep in your step. You don't stop till you get on the mountain top. And when you get to the top, you reach the peak. That's when you hear Eddie Chiba speak and it stopped. It was about a million, a minute and a half of it start rapping. We just like, do that again. We stood there for three hours. Wow. I didn't know it was hip-hop or rap or nothing. I was like, whatever that was, like you said, it was my DNA, my my molecular, my, my, it was everything that was me. You know, it was my spirit. But then it was just that brief moment I connected with it. And then I went back to my little seventh grade life. God, but that's interesting. That, but it, because of that little minute and 30 seconds, when, when school ended, this was like, I would say, this probably had to be like April. So we yeah. get out for the summer, seventh grade summer. Because of that tape, now as I'm riding my bike to the neighborhood, I start noticing the block parties and the park parties. Then I was able to, they probably was there the whole time, but I was young. I wasn't exposed to it because I'm riding past it. I'm not stopping in the park. I'm on my skateboard. But then I started to notice, Peter, oh, they're doing in the park live what the guy was doing on the tape. Ah. That's... So then I put two and two together. And God. another thing that woke me up was they was playing a lot of the records. They was playing pieces of a lot of the records that was on the radio during the 70s, but they was only taking the parts where nobody was singing. Yeah. And they was looping them, and the guys were getting on the top, the best DJ in the neighborhood, and I'm doing good. So that was my moment of, oh, but I still didn't want to do it. 
I still didn't want to do it. When I saw that, right then and there, my brother was three years older than me. I'm 15, so he's 18. So right when that happened, I heard it in seventh grade, got out for the summer. Now I'm seeing the block parties everywhere. So all the kids, probably 16 to 21, everybody had to get turntables now. Oh, that's it. Become DJs. Everybody wanted to be a DJ, and then the MC, the rap thing came later. Once Rappers Delight came out, so So, it was a gradual a progression for me. So from the time you heard, you were listening on that little tape recorder, and it 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 immediately obviously impacted you in a big way. Yeah, and then you became more observant of the things around you. Yes. Do you remember like the first? park event or you know event outside as you were driving around or biking around that that just like sticks with you today vividly in your brain yeah so the other kid in my class he wasn't it was two classes in my catholic school it was one one and one two two one and two two three all the way up to the eighth grade so the two classes is the smart kids the honor kid that was me Joseph Simmons was in the other class. He was all, we only know each other because in the morning when they do the roll call, you look oh, around. Yeah. When they say Nadine Welch, you just look, oh, that's Nadine. So Joseph Simmons, I look, oh, that's who he is. And there was no connection. When they yeah. call my name, Joe would look at me. So we knew each other as, hey, Joe, hey, Daryl. But um, the kid in the other class, Joseph, in our schoolyard, we had one basketball rim. With the Catholic school kids with the uniforms were safe to play after school. Because the Catholic school kids couldn't go to the neighborhood park unless you went home and put on your play clothes. Because then you could fit in. They ain't going to mess with you. But you can't go nowhere in that uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the rim in the schoolyard broke. So all the kids would come to my backyard because my mother and father was the best. They put a basketball rim into my backyard. And, and they wanted everybody around. Like, they were those they, kept parents. Yeah, they wanted yeah. the kids to come in. So one day, Joseph Simmons comes over. We play basketball. When he comes in the basement, sees my brother and my equipment. And then he goes, my name is DJ Run. I'm the son of Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow was a big star back then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then he sure. he starts saying, yo, you know, I rap. I, I do the round thing. So my first experience was come to the park Saturday. So I came to the park and Joseph Simmons went over there and got, I would have never did this. I was writing my rhymes for me in the basement, hiding under the table. But Joseph went into the park and got on the microphone and started saying these DJ run rhymes. And at the time, I just wanted to be a DJ. And I'll never forget that. He went in the park and got on the microphone in front of the whole neighborhood. But I still didn't want to do it. So what had happened after that, he would come over my house and we would DJ. And my rhyme book was like my diary. I would yeah. just write, my name is Daryl, my mother's name is Banner, I go to St. Pascal's, I watch the little rascals, and that was it. And it was all for me. One yeah. day I forgot to put my rhyme book away and run found it. Ah. And I'm trying to get it back, give me my book back. And he's like, oh no, you know, they want to read your diary. But then he reads and he says, D, you wrote this? And I was like, yeah, it's a hobby. He said, these are really good. And he says that? this to me, he says, because he was, he was too young to make a record. Russell, his brother, Russell Simmons, was yeah. already managing. Russell was a manager of hip-hop and a party promoter. Yeah, so huge. It was, yeah, it was Russell and about maybe 20 other managers and promoters promoting and managing Hip hop, the way it's being managed now, but in this little neighborhood. But oh, um, he cool. said, uh, whenever my brother lets me make a record, I'm putting you in my group. And I was like, I don't do this for real. Why? Like, like, I didn't understand what he was saying. But yeah. as you see, when he made his record, he called me and brought me along. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah isn't that amazing? Yeah. And just the, in that neighborhood, all that creativity, like everybody must have just pushed each other to get better and better and yeah, better. Yeah, it was competitive, but it was to inspire each other. Yeah, that's very cool. How did you, you, you described yourself as a shy kid. So how did you start getting comfortable in front of the, you know, in front of everybody? Uh, I'm going to tell you the true story. I was a comic book guy. 
So I noticed that a lot of the superheroes were awkward, clumsy, and had a lot of problems when they wasn't fighting crime. So I related real well to Peter Parker. I related real well to Tony Stark and Reed Richards. Why? Because they were smart. Mm -hmm. Comic books was the only place that I saw geeky, nerdy people who are badass. Mm -hmm. You know, in my neighborhood, you had to be a gangbanger, a drug dealer, a fighter, and stab. Like, it was crazy in my neighborhood. Yeah. So when this hip-hop thing came along, and I'm, I, I'm saying, I want to be me regardless what anybody thinks, but I knew I had to have an attitude with it. So every time I would step to the microphone, I would be thinking, Peter Parker lives in Queens. What would, he, what would Spider-Man do right now? He would step up and deliver. So for wow. me, it was, it, was, it was like, I thought this hip-hop thing was like a powerful superhero thing. My old man, and this is how I thought, my old man at Daryl McDaniel's Catholic school kid transforms into the mighty king of rock. So I even told, run, I was just pretending to be a superhero on the microphone. But you know, that's, that's such a great lesson for people out there. Just like you were inspired to, and, and that. A lot of things it, I was connected to. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it, it really is a great lesson for kids out there. All, all, I tell all the kids, what do you like? Powerpuff Girls. Everything you do and everywhere you go, you're a Powerpuff Girl. And they, you can do that. Yes. Walk in there like, and, and watch what happens. That's all. I want. Thor is the son of Odin from yes. Asgard. He got a brother named Loki and he got a hammer. I'm Daryl. My father's name is Byford. I got a brother named Alfred and I'm from Alice. So I'm, and I got a mic. Son of Byford, brother of Al. Banners my mammal, runs my pal. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's, those burgers are Ronald's. I ran <laughs> down my family tree, my mother, my father, my brother, and me. So I realized, yo, I can talk about ducklings, puppy dogs, ice cream, and polka dots and be more harder than anybody out there using profanity and talking about doing violence. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So I was like putting together because when, when, with, with the hip hop thing was we were kids in the comic books and Bruce Lee and Godzilla. So it was like we had these alter egos. Belvin Glover was Belly Mel. You know, Mohammed Dewey's was Cool Mogi. So <laughs> Daryl McDaniels, take the initials of my name, D from Daryl and MC from uh, McDaniels, but I could become the devastating Mike Controller. Oh, that and is. And then also yeah, re remembering great. when I thought about Dylan, when I thought about Neil Young, yeah. when I thought about Joni Mitchell, even though they were big celebrity rock stars, they made music that related to everybody in their audience. Yeah. And I no, thought, this, sure. I was like, you can do that? Like nobody had ever done that in hip hop. Hip hop is just supposed to be complaining about how ghetto it is out here. But I'm coming from Queens. We had ghetto and we had kids playing jump rope. You know what I'm saying? So we had so kids we, getting in trouble, but we also had kids that were going to school, reading comic books. We had kids building models and planes. I said, I'm a rhyme about that stuff. So that's all happening. You're a young, young guy. Yeah, this is 80. This is from like 79 to 83. So then how do you decide to like formalize your group and come up with Run DMC? That was all Run. Run was going to be a solo artist. Remember? Okay. Yep. So Run, Curtis Blow put out the breaks. These are the breaks. Curtis Blow was the first rapper signed to a major label, Mercury Records. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was all into Sugar Hill and Joy. Everything was independent little labels. Yeah. There was even dance labels, dance music labels, and disco music labels that went out of business because disco died. They started signing all these end of this new rap thing. Because they was like, people want to buy it, I'll sign it. So Run was going to make a solo record at first. And then he remembered, Russell, my friend Daryl got rhymes. I want to. I don't want to be solo. I'm a former group. So in 19, I was, we, we graduated in class of 1982 in June. In August of 82, the phone rings and it was Joe. Daryl, remember four years ago when I said, if I make a record, I'm putting you in my group. Yeah, grab your rhyme book. We're going to the studio. So it was Run who didn't want to be a solo artist. And the whole Run DMC thing came about. This is funny. Run originally was going to be Run The MC. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It was so, I guess it was the music gods that said, he's going to use his initials in his basement. 
because they know Run was going to call. So instead of like when we first thought we wanted to be the treacherous two or the dynamic two MCs or double trouble, Russell, his brother said, no, this is perfect. Because if D don't work out, we could still be run the MC. Oh, that's so a he great called it story. Run DMC, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so and so when he asked you to do this, was it immediate? Like, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's go. No, it was D, because I was a straight A student who was always writing. So he just called me up and said, We're gonna make we're gonna write a we're gonna make a record called us like that. Write a bunch of rides about how the world was. So it's funny. Writing songs for me is like homework. Okay. That's and another great a, lesson for being people a out there. Straight A student. Yes, I tell kids, school isn't put in your life to make young people's lives hectic. It's not here <laughs> to torture y'all. Being yeah. showing up on time, raising your hand when you speak, when the bell rings, get on, just get on my Yeah. It's preparing you to be disciplined for whatever it is that you gotta do. Yeah. So well, that's that, a great point. Yeah, I walked into the studio and I had all these rhymes about how the world is. Let's make the record. Okay, outstanding. Yep. That's very cool. One of the things that we were talking about and you were discussing with me you were listening to this radio station that ha- had all these different sounds. Yep. Obviously, you guys, you fused a lot of elements. Rock and, and you know, yeah, rock, yeah, uh, rock and roll, rock and roll coming into what you did, and, and you know the you know it's legendary, of course, with Aerosmith yep. and Walk This Way, and yep. really you know revitalized their career with what you all did. But that thing was such a smash, right? Just because of the limited time, we're going to talk about It's Tricky. Yeah, Tricky is one of from, our biggest songs. Yeah, it's a great song from yep. Raising Hell in 1987. Yep. So take me back to just the beginnings of that song. Do you recall how it all happened, where you were, like what the inspiration was? Yep. Just take us through that story. So making the Raising Hell album, we always tried to stay unique, which was easy because the only thing Run DMC did, we did everything he was doing before we got signed to a record deal. Like, you know, sometimes you, you, a band comes out a certain way, but when they get on the label, just, they sound different. There's a different yeah. look. There. So we said, when we get this record deal, we're not going to change. We're going to do everything Helen was doing in the park when we was 15. So Tricky was basically a, a rhyme routine that we had. That I wrote. It was it was one of the rhymes I wrote in my basement. The reason why I became a record is because when we came out with our first records, everybody was saying, it ain't no real music. This hip hop, these rappers, it's not even real and this and that. And they don't compose and they don't write. And I took it personally. I, do you know how hard it is to sit <laughs> down and write a rap that people want to listen to? Because yeah. I, I wasn't trying to make music this is funny. When I was writing in my basement, my thing was I want oh, Paul McCartney to respect me. Ah, I, want, that's cool. I want Elvis to get up off the chair and move out the way. So I was pretending I was the king already, but it was just all make believe. So it's tricky. I said, we got to make this tricky a record because people don't understand how hard it is to do rap. I'm not talking about this, the, the profane, ignorant, stupid, sex, disrespectful rap. Anybody can do that. But can you write a song? Can you be a, a, a rapper at 18? This is so crazy. I wanted to write a song that a 54-year-old white lady in Wisconsin would say. Mm-hmm. So part of the inspiration came from, there was a song out by Tony Basil. Oh, yeah. Mickey. Yeah. Yeah, oh, of course. Mickey. Mickey. Fine. Yeah, of course. Classic video. That I, What she was doing fit my phrase. It's tricky to write a rhyme. It's tricky to rock a rhyme, rock a rhyme. That's right on time. It's, yo, let's write that. So we went and wrote a record to let people know, yeah, we're not singing like Freddie. We're not composing like Beethoven. But this ain't easy. Yeah, and that was the motivation for tricking it. As you see, that record resonates with little kids. I go speak at elementary schools; they know it. You're the, oh, the yeah. tricky TikTok man, and it's been in every movie from Road Trip to White Chicks. Yeah, 
And no, it's, it's the it's probably top five on TikTok. It just is that, won't end. Is that amazing? Okay, so first, did you I think you were saying that you wrote it pretty early on, right? It was yeah. in your diary. It was yeah. in your journal. Right. I, it, it was a it was a rap that I would perform at the block party. Yeah. Over yeah. I would it, probably use I would probably use Soul Sonic Forces Planet Rock. The instrumental rock, rock to the planet rock, or I would use Kraftwerk's numbers. Remember numbers? Well, Uno Kraftwerk doors. Three, one, two, boosh, step, boosh, boosh, rock, sire, seer. Remember Kraftwerk? Yeah, of course. Kraftwerk, I Kraftwerk. Is, is Kraftwerk, Philly Squire, Big B, James Brown, Funky Drummer, or the foundational records of hip hop. Every MC or rapper would say so. Kraftwerk's number, put that on, boosh, step, boosh. Cap one, two, it's tricky to rock a ride, rock. I had it already. It's amazing, you know, when I, because, you know, I, I like to think that I, I know music pretty deeply, but it's not obvious to me that craft work would be such an inspiration yep. to hip hop and rap. Electronicus, a craft work of Trans Europe Express. Yeah, Trans Europe was Express. One of the, what was one of the records, Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambada. Cool Herc, you know, Grand Wizard Dino would always play at every block party from nice. 73 to 82 before um, Arthur Baker, the producer, got with Bam Bond and the story they made Planet Rock. Europe. We used to yeah. break to that. We used to break and pop to those records. How about so that? I was like, take the tricky rob, put it with an up tempo beep up track work. And we got a masterpiece. We never knew it would transfer so well as a record. Well, that's the thing. So when you you were writing this in your journal, you know, you it just wasn't were, for a record. I wasn't trying. Right. It was me. just you were just a kid writing yes. this. And now looking back, and like you said, it's all over TikTok. It's all over pop culture. It's everywhere. How does that feel as a guy who created that? Like, um, how do you, how do you feel about that? All that. Well, it makes me. It makes me appreciate the art that goes into being a musician or or artist in general. And, you know, it made me understand the Beatles and John Lennon and Led Zeppelin and all of those guys. You know, what's the song with Bob Dylan? And he's rhyming on it. Oh, I keep forgetting. But if you listen to Bob Dylan. Yeah. If you listen to the Beatles in the town where I was born, yeah. live the man, we all live in the house, oh, it's chicken a rock a rock. It's just those things that, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, I guess we was influenced by all the music we was hearing on the radio. And then for me to just be playing, but here's another thing, pretending to be, the thing I actually already, the, the thing I actually became. That's pre the 10 thing. means pre yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. Pre I, eat the oven prep. So now I, when I look back, I understand. But when I was doing that, I was just being a kid, putting stuff together. It's funny. We opened for Lou Reed in New York City in 1985. It was the end of 85 before we, no, 1984. Before we drop Rock Rocks, we opened for Lou Reed. We get a call. Lou Reed wants y'all to open for him. We was like, no. What are y'all trying? No. Like, oh, we don't. Lou Reed, he likes y'all. So I remember we opened for Lou Reed. And when we went out there, we had 15 minutes. Uh, we did It's Like That, Suckrim Seas. Here we go. And we did the, the new song, Rock Rocks, which wasn't out yet as the single. So it was 20% of the crowd was booing. Oh, this hip hop stuff sucks. It's not real music, whatever. So we, we did the show. We sitting in the dressing room. The stage manager comes, yo, y'all gotta come to the side of the stage. Lou Reed is talking about y'all. So Lou Reed goes out there before he does his set and says, in his cool, draggy voice, I just wanna address those people that was born run DMC. And he said this and was surprising. If you booing them, you booing me. And then he uh, says, I was just like them. I was this little kid in my room, beating on pots and pans, listening and taking from every type of record, trying to find my sound. So if you booing Run DMC, you're booing me. And you said that there was like the 20 people. That was, We're sorry, Uncle Lou. Like, <laughs> he put them in their place. 
So now As when I look should. back, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Lou Reed, he probably came up listening to Elvis and to, to, to the ooh and to every, you know, the blues, like all this stuff. And he turned out Lou Reed. But his was playing because he was a musician. Yeah. We just rap guys writing rhymes over every beat that's in the basement, not knowing it was going to manifest into something. But can you imagine if you're if you're those 20 people today and you're looking back and you go, I was one of those guys. I was one of those those idiots who walked out or wanted was booing, who was booing, yep. booing and look at now right. 50th anniversary. All of their kids are probably playing tricky right now. Totally. <laughs> absolutely absolutely they are. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Everything you're talking about, there's like the inspiration, the motivation, the, you know, the pretending, you know, that yeah. and the shy kid. Is that what brings you to kind of speaks to you about the Park City Song Summit? Yeah. And kind of the tell us a little bit about the Park City Song Summit, because you participated last year, too. Yeah. But what it's all about, why it speaks to you. And then we'll get into a little bit about how you and Chuck D are going to be talking about the 50th anniversary of hip hop right. too. But let's talk about that a little bit about that mission. Yeah. Well, I got approached last year to attend the Park City Song Summit because they use arts to heal. They use arts for to deal with trauma. They use arts to for people with difficult people in different difficult situations. Sometimes can't the medical field can't help you all the time. But the arts, you know what I'm saying? When you use the arts, sometimes you don't even gotta say anything. You just put the music on and sit there and there's totally this feeling thing. So how I got involved with it throughout my career run DMC, it was always good. When I was 35 years old, I found out that I was adopted. Then I found out, yeah, at the age of 35, then I found out I was a foster kid at 35. Wow. And at that time, I was already depressed. And then Jam Master J got shot and killed. Yeah. And then my former Byford, son of Byford, he passed away. So I was going through a lot mentally. And then I thought I was all alone. And then I met some more adopted people. You know, when you find oh. out something, you think you're the only one going through it. But there's a billion other people like you. So when I finally met these other adopted people, they had, they talked, and I felt the same way they felt. So then I realized I'm not really messed up. So I started talking about what I went through. And uh, Ben, the founder of the Park City Song Summit, saw what I was doing in the media. He was like, this guy DMC is not ashamed to talk about his struggles and stuff like that. And I just realized this, Peter, when I was on my records, when I was bragging about how great I am, how many rhymes I got. Like, I'm so powerful. I got a song about Christmas that is like legendary. It puts me right up there. With it's me. legendary. Yeah, it's it Christmas is legendary. But I realized yeah. when I was talking about what I was going to, it had an even greater effect of inspiring, motivating, and um, helping people than it did when I was talking about how the good things in my life was. Yeah. So I went to this Park City Song Summit and his artists, painters, writers, authors, musicians, songwriters, DJs, MCs, rappers, bakers, anybody that's creative. And we notice even in our dark, darkest struggles that if our creativity is not helping us at the time, somebody else's creativity will help us. But when I'm doing something and I'm in a messed up state, what I just created can help somebody else. So I have this saying, the arts succeed, the arts succeed where politics and religion fails. Yeah. Whatever politics, you know. That's a great saying. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But if you go to a yeah. museum, it's people from all walks of life, all all, all nationalities, or in what what you go to a concert. So the the art, the Park City Song Summit is about using the experiences both for spectator and presenter as a healing method for people dealing with any type of traumas. Like you know, you sit down and you can remember when you were sad and you think about your favorite song. When I was growing up, it was a sad song, but I thought it was so incredible and beautiful. Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, of course. Child is born just the other day. 
came into the world in the usual way, but there was bills to pay, planes to catch, and bills to pay. Remember that cats in the cradle and the oh yeah. So this was a song about a father who never had time for his kid. Fast forward to me when I got depressed and I found out that I was adopted. I could just sit there and just play cats in the cradle over and over because it soothed me. And yeah. it made me realize, shoot, my parents, even though I'm adopted, I had the best parents ever. So I think the Park City Song Summit is about the presentation and experience of music as a healing, soothing guide. And at the same time, it's a song summit where you got, it's, it's like the seven, it's like WABC. It's white, it's black, it's people from Europe, it's bluegrass, it's hip hop, it's punk, it's rock. So at this event, because, you know, nowadays when you say rapper and hip hop, you just think about the rappers that get in trouble, you know, the people that got to rethink about everything bad. In our generation, you would say hip hop and rapper, you would think Run DMC, De La Soul. It was so diverse. So yeah. the Park City Song Summit puts what this world is really about. It's not about Democrat versus Republican. It's not about Christian versus Muslim. It's all about all of us, no matter who we are and what our affiliations are, coming together for the good of mankind. Daryl, that's that's really beautiful. And you know, just one personal thing for me, uh-huh. like music is music is my therapy. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. So like, I'm a really intense type A guy, but it's, you know, it's the, where I'm feeling the most present and just yeah. like present is just when you're immersed with music, yeah. there's something about it. And you know, what yeah, we, since not, we've been little, I mean, we for the same gym, since we've been little music yeah. tames the savage beats. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, it inspires. It, you inspires, know, it, it yeah. inspires. It kind of calms, but it opens your mind, like you said. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about hip hop is that it brings people together, yeah. like, you know, all the, and then different experiences, yeah. like all music, rock and roll, yeah. hip hop, you know, everything. That's why um, we are allowed to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because yeah. we spent our early years of hip hop stealing all the music from everybody that's in there. <laughs> all art, all, all artists that, feel, sample it all and, <laughs> all artists are inspi- inspired by other yeah, artists they all you know? say and, that. yeah it's only yeah. like three riffs everybody steals from them. the greatest artists and we all steal from each other but yeah. when you put a dip when you put your my story it's your story but your story is yours and you can tell me your stories and i'll relate to it in some shape form or fashion well that's right like when it's authentic yes, when authentic, somebody yeah. it, it, when people know it's authentic, it's what you said is so profound too, is that for all these people who are listening out there, like young people, yeah. not just young people, but young people out there yeah. who are maybe discouraged by, you know, what they see, the, you know, the vibes in society yeah. these days, all that sort of thing. It's that, you know, to hear that you had your challenges and that the other artists who are at the Park City Summit, they have their challenges, yeah. but they realized that they weren't alone. Right. And like when you first started talking about your own struggles, yeah. was that hard for you to do? Was it, did you feel like you were exposing yourself no, in a way? No, not really. Cause hip hop has a saying, nobody pays attention to no more anymore. Keep it real. So uh, what happened yeah. was I, would, I got out of rehab. When I got, I went to rehab to stop drinking. That's why I discovered therapy. So yeah. now I get out and people was always seeing Run, my partner, after Jim Master J died, Run had 10 years, 10 seasons of Run's house. He had a successful reality show about him and his family and it's out living a good life. And everybody for 10 seasons, where the hell is he? Nobody yeah. knew what I was going through. So now I get out and I'm coming, I'm back in 7-Eleven. I'm walking in, stopping shop. I'm going through the airport again. I'm visiting school. So everybody that sees me, Jay, where you been at? What? It's funny, Peter. The one question was, why you wasn't on Run's house? Because they wouldn't <laughs> drive. Oh, me and Run don't like each other, this and that. No, I'm going to go, no. Uh, yo, I was going to kill myself. I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was alcoholic. And then I went to rehab. And, and I would tell people this. They would go, and they would say these words to me. I've never told, D, I've never told anybody this. They would go, me too. Or they would go, I never told anybody this, my mother, my brother, my sister. And I'm sitting there bugging, 
because it's DMC telling them that he was weak and vulnerable and confused and scared. Yeah. Now they think it's okay. You could have healed yourself five years ago, but I think it took me somebody that looks so dynamic and powerful to say, yo, I was messed up, dude. Yeah. And a lot of them say, you know what, D? I'm going to go to there. I'm going to go talk to someone. So the same way you would listen to uh, um, one of the songs that saved me was Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Beautiful song. Yeah, in the arms. I think it's what she says, in the dark, cold hotel room. That was me. Oh, whoa, it's me. And I got to meet her. And it's crazy. When I got to meet her, she goes, it's tricky. I love it's tricky. But then I say, Miss McLaughlin, your song, Angel, you sound like an angel. They say you're an angel. The name of the song is Angel. But you're not an angel to me. You're God. I listen to your song every day from when it came out in the movie City of Angels with Ed Ryan and Nicolas Cage. Remember, it was on the soundtrack of that. Light FM here in New York would always play it. And I would just stop what I'm doing. It was the only thing that resonated with my, my feeling at the time. And I told her what her song did. It's so crazy we talking about music in a song summit. She looks at me and says, thank you for telling me that, Daryl. And she says this. That's what music is supposed to do. That's not only to make me money and make me say, no, it's supposed to um, connect and identify with another soul. Yeah, no, for sure. And she's she's such a great artist and great music. Yeah, she is. So, Daryl, how do people participate in the Park City Song Summit? Go to their website. I think it's parkcitysongsummit.org, I believe it is. It's a wellness retreat but we disguise it with music because a lot of people are reluctant to go get help because they think they don't want nobody to know something's wrong with them. Or like most of us, you know, we don't want to be a weirdo, but you notice everybody's going through something. Yeah. My thing is, if we can... Everybody, everybody's got something. Everybody. If we can remove guilt and shame from that, then everybody would be, it would be more easier to get, especially us men. You know, oh, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm okay. And your whole world is crashing. Um, like we say in hip hop, people need to stop fronting. It's okay to be going to some because every day somebody's going to something. At the Park City Song Summit, you're going to be speaking. I do two workshops. And you're going to be sitting with Chuck D, right? A public enemy and t- part of, and talking about the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. People, uh, we're not going to be talking about the 50th anniversary of hip hop yeah. and the, the success of the records we made. No, it's not about that. It's where hip hop came from. The Bronx was burning. People were stressed out. There was trauma. There was years of political and racial and social injustices. So we started making this music to talk about it. But at the same time, it was not only healing us who were smack dab in the middle of it, it started healing other people. Hip hop went over to Asia, hip hop went over to Europe, in France. They don't want to hear no blame in your private jets. They want to hear about the struggle of the working class citizen. So we're going to talk about the culture of hip hop. Look, take away the music, take away the rappers, there still was the DJs who are playing the music. There still was the break dances. You know what I'm saying? There was the graffiti artists and arts. So we're going to be talking yeah. about the culture of hip hop, not only as a recreational tool, but as an educational, inspirational, and a motivational tool, just like rock and roll. Like the reason why hip hop is in, 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 in the rock and roll of fame is it's not about the, the title of the genre. It's about the spirit. Now, when you say rock and roll, you think about Neil Young, so of solo Neil Young and Neil Young of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, when they were just shooting at Kent State University, the army killed the college kids. Mm-hmm. He didn't wait for management or label. Neil Young got up that night and went to the studio in Rome, Ohio. Great song. You know, there are so many songs that were written to, us, to address what we go through as people. Not only the black struggle that Public Enemy and Karis one talked about, but when we, me and Run wrote, it's like that. Unemployment at our people in the world. But at the same time, we say, how do you get over all of these conditions? Educate your ass. Pick up a book and go to school. So the Park City Song Summit is just, here's the issue. 
Here's the conditions. Here are the alternatives. And here are things that you can do. You know, when my song plays, I don't want you just saying how good I am on the mic. I want you to wake up tomorrow. Damn, I can't rap. I can't teach it. I can't break dance. I can't do graffiti. I can't do the beatbox. Or maybe I could go down to the local group home and help the kids. Maybe I can volunteer at the school. Maybe I could go do something for the homeless. Maybe I could do, man, I got it good. Let me go. And instead of having the migrants on TVs getting shown like like guinea pigs, let me go down and yeah. do something so the migrants can say, when I came to New York, these hip-hop guys came to me and clothed me. There's so much that we can do. So that's what me and Chuck want to do. But then after we talk to you, we're going to get up on that stage and do some uh, of your awesome. favorite records. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, Daryl, when you think about all the struggles, I mean, every era has their struggles, yep. but you were describing some you know, 50 years ago, yep. all the shit that was going down, yep. right? And you look at, there's quite a few struggles today. Yes. If you're a young person, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with my wife and you know, we have two kids, oh, nice. 23 and 20, and, and just young people in general, all the issues that they're facing. Yes. You know, it's the climate, the, you know, geopolitics, the war. artificial intelligence, AI, war. Yeah. social yeah. media. So, yeah, social media. I used to have to wait for the bully to see me. Yeah, now, yeah. You can bully as soon as you pull up your phone or go online. Like, it's crazy. You know, exactly. They can't it, get away from it. We could. No, totally. So who are some artists today who you believe are capturing some of the that observing that mm -hmm. and speaking to that today, you know, so kind of like you were uh -huh. and those around you were many, many years ago, who are some young artists that you think are really worth checking out in the hip hop realm? No, in any realm. Oh, Justin Well, one of the bands that I really love, they sound like Led Zeppelin, but they're not. Oh, I know you're talking about. I know. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah, no, they're good. And they're then good. you're yeah, singing they... about love and emotions yeah. in everyday situations. One of the artists that I really like, Chance the Rapper. Yeah, Chance the Rapper is great. He is Run DMC, Slick Rick, and Will Smith with a little Public Enemy all in one. Kendrick yeah. Lamar. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar for J. sure. J. Cole. I just saw Kendrick Lamar yeah. um, at Outside Lounge. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. And guys like yeah. that because that you know he's talking about my uncle. He's talking about shit. Kendrick Lamar is like John Fogarty. And when John Fogarty wrote the song Looking Out My Back Door, that's who Kendrick Lamar is in, in that perspective. But um, I think what's happening now is it's, it's the young people who are not celebrities, like my son and your kids and stuff like that. Social media shouldn't be a ruler. Social media should be a, an assistant. And how do we change the climate of their personal lives, their social lives, and their national lives and their cultural lives? We got to use social media more responsibly. We got to get away from, hey, look at me, this and that. Oh, I see Shaq, this and that. We need to see more teachers, more positive people doing stuff in the community because that's just as cool as having a record deal. So it's up to us to be the advertisers for all the goodness that exists in the world that nobody talks about in the regular yeah. media. The regular media is so depressing. You know, it every is. now and then they'll give you two seconds of, today in the hood, they open the library, but then that's it. So yeah. we have this social media. When you go on Instagram now, it should be, yo, my teacher's the best, this and that. Yo, I got a friend that was struggling with something. I took him out of hand and I walked to therapy with them. There's so much that we can do to make it exciting. That's one of the things that hip-hop and rock and roll did. You know, whether it was punk rock, we're against the establishment. We're going to wear what we're going to wear. We're going to eat what we're going to sing, what we're going to sing. That's inspiring to a class of people that feels forgotten. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then you can realize there's no such thing as a generation gap. It's an information and a communication gap. Things get better when the OGs communicated with the young people and when we together walk into rooms and walk down the roads. And that's what ah, Rock the Road awesome. did for us. Yeah, that's very cool. Like, uh, Daryl, that is very inspirational. It's cool that you're you know, after you know all the things that you've done, that you're act so actively participating in 
in bringing your own personal stories into it to inspire others and also right. to just like give strength to others. The music obviously does, but your own personal stories exactly. too, because there's a, there's a vulnerability per- that comes with your that. personal but- story saves lives. Like yeah, I got young sure. people when I go speak, you know, I have, a, I have my book out, it's called 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide. I talk about everything ah. I went through. And parents get it for their kids. You know what I'm saying? They get it for the high school kids, the college kids. And the yeah. kids always go deep. You made me think differently about myself. They're reading about me. And then they finish back. I did that. I did that. I thought about doing that, but I was afraid to do it. They say, you make me. And that's what Red MC's music did. You know what I'm saying? That's what Freddie Mercury did for me. I can't sing like Freddie Mercury, but I, I got to do something. I can become the king of rock. Then it's not higher. Sucker MC's should call me. That's what we have to use. We have to use technology and creativity to have transformation. I, I like that. What is your favorite song that you've ever written? My favorite Oh, Son of Byford. Because it's me. I'm not rhyming about money. I'm not rhyming about my record sales. I'm not rhyming about my car. I'm rhyming about my family. Mm. And my therapist at the time, D, you was 100% right. That this is you. Telling the world, yes, you're the king of rock. Yes, you're the walk this way, man. Yes, you're the, but you're really Daryl McDaniels, son of Byford and Bannon McDaniels. He has a brother named Alfred. No difference from any of y'all. I think that's my most powerful record that I wrote. What is something that you haven't done yet, like on your bucket list of, I got to do this? And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be musical, but it can be anything that you, you know, that's kind of speaks to you. Well, jump out of airplane. <laughs> I just did that. You did? Oh, really? I How ju- was it? I just did. It was, you know, it's really interesting. The first Here. 30 seconds is up, but then it's the common no, school. No, what? it's not. It's what's, and I'm not great. I'm not great with heights right, right. at all. So I didn't know how I'd react right. to it. My whole family, there's four of yeah. us. My wife and I have always talked about it. She said, let's do it for your, you know, there was a big milestone birthday. Right. So I said, yeah, okay. I'll do it. And my son's absolutely in right away. And my daughter was like, not going to do it. But then she said, if you guys are doing it, you got to do it. Wow. So the two of us are a little bit more fearful about the concept. Yep. What was so wild is none of us were scared at all that day. None of right. us. We went into the plane and I was the first out. I wanted to be the first out. And as I stepped up, for some reason, I had this weird, calm, I, I was just excited what? like the whole way. I, there was no fear whatsoever. Right. I think part of it is you're so high up there that it doesn't feel like it's real. You know, oh, you're jumping you're jumping out and it's so distant because we were at 12,000 feet. So it's so distant that it's almost like unreal. Where'd you do it at? I, we did it in Paris, P-E-R-R-I-S, here in California. Okay. It's a big jumping spot. In, in, oh. in, and it was, and it was, there was never was any quick? fear. No, well, it was about f- four minutes, I think. What, we from the top down? Four, oh, yeah. Down? Wow. Five, five minutes, maybe? The way like, they showed it, it seems like you're up there for 15 minutes and all that. No, you're not up for 15 minutes, but you're free-falling. We free-fell for like two minutes, you know, because I'm yeah. strapped on its, ta- its tandem. Right. And so, you know, you're falling for two minutes, like straight. Does it feel like and it? No. I can't, I can't describe wow. it. But So when it pulls mad. it, then you go up and then you come down and you got to land. Yeah, it looks that way because the guy who's filming you keeps falling. So it looks like you're going up, but you're just stopped. Oh, you know, you, it goes, it, boom. It, you, like yeah, that? it's like, oh. so it's immediate, but it's, it's a really cool it's surreal. thing. surreal. It is totally yeah, surreal, but right. it, you, but you got to do it, okay. but you got to do it. That's you got to do it. And, and there, there was no fear whatsoever. It was just, it was magical. Wow, and right. it's one of those things that I'm so glad I did it. Cause you um, did it. See, now I'm jealous. Well, <laughs> no, but I didn't know how I no, feel. Of course. Like, I, no, you could have got thought, up there and said, no, I ain't doing it. And ain't nothing yeah, wrong and with I knew that. I, yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. But, but I knew I couldn't do that you in front of my family. Right. You You had to do it, but. It was easy. It was really wow, easy. Wow, that's so cool. Part of it is because I think a part of it is who you go with, and like these were good guys and funny and stuff and all that. Right. That's stuff. why I asked you where'd you do it at. That's a key too. You should do it in California. Okay. It's great. It's 
outside of San Diego, like an hour. Oh, San Diego is like heaven. I love San Diego. Yeah, yeah it's nice. That's and the yeah. other thing is, I want to play the guitar because I love ah, rock, but I never yeah. love to play the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, little kids I, always ask me. Why you don't want to be the king of rap when I go to speak at elementary schools? Why yeah. are you the king of rap? I said, because I can't sing like Freddie Mercury, but I just love the sound of those guitars. You know what's so amazing, though? You don't have to sing like Freddie Mercury. You you changed the culture. Like, here's this, the way you tell it, this shy kid who, it's not like you had any intention of being a big star or anything like that. I'd probably be a just teacher. Not- my friend asked well, me, well, if you wasn't doing music, the only thing I was good at was school. <laughs> but you but you are a teacher through the, music, the yeah. work that you created right. and what you're doing at Park City Song yep. St- Summit, like taking it to that level too. So listen, I really enjoyed it. You're 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 a great guy. You. You're a great guy. I hope I hope I can make it to Park City Song Summit because it sounds like a really it's cool really, thing. Really, oh my God. I went and thought it was just about me being and doing something, but it was a total yeah. It's a total experience. Okay, yeah. awesome, awesome. Well, again, Daryl McDaniel, great to see you of the great Run DMC, celebrating 50th anniversary of hip-hop, celebrating all his great music and all these accolades. My God, first, 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 and <laughs> all these different things. But most importantly, just a great positive soul and spirit. Yeah, and to everybody out there, life can be tricky, 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 oh, but it's never difficult. That was Daryl DMC McDaniels of Run DMC sharing his story behind his iconic track, It's Tricky, from the band's 1987 album, Raising Hell. I'm your host, Peter Chotty. You can follow me on Twitter at pchotty, that's C-S, like Sam, A-T-H-Y, and at deepcutsmedia.biz. For more of the story behind the song, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in on the third Monday of every month for new episodes. And make sure you're also following the Consequence Podcast Network to keep up to date with all our series at consequence.net forward slash consequence dash podcast dash network. And as always, thanks for listening to the story behind the song.